podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Wrap, not with Neil Atkinson this week, with Rob Gutman, who's me. And I'm joined by Gareth Robert-Roberts, Mo Stewart and Paul Senior. Uh, we're going to... Hi, says Gareth, his hand up there. That's very professional, Gaz. Um, we're going to do a different style of show to give um, some of our listeners an insight into what we do behind closed doors or what we do in our subscription service, Tour Player. We have a show which is going to run to three versions of it a week called The Gutter Show. It's so-called because it gets down in the tabloid gutter and discusses transfers and and the mindless and not-so-mindless speculation around a, a Liverpool summer. Um, so we hope we're going to give you a bit of a flavour of it today. We've got a, a fun-packed programme, lots of exciting new links, lots of big stories to dissect and decide whether they're bullshit or not. Um, Gareth, let's, let's, just, let's just dive in at the deepest end you can. There's news has broken over the weekend, if we can call it that, starting... Starting fairly in a fairly dubious way, coming from L'Equipe in France, who seemed to be the agent's favourite for, for breaking stories about players, so who, who claimed that uh, Klopp had spoken to uh, Kylian Mbappe's representatives last week and that Liverpool were still pursuing an interest in the player that was first touted by Marker in Spain about a month ago. Uh, then a figure of 64 million was talked about, now a 100 million figure is talked about. We know all of Europe wants the player. Surprisingly, overnight... Dom King of the, of the Mail joined the friend. Dom tends to be a, a credible source, so he he seemed to back up the keep story. There's, there are some claims that Paul Joyce has tentatively done so as well. Notwithstanding that, do you, given the whole the noise around Mbappe, the previous story, these stories, do you think this is a player Liverpool would, would pursue this summer? It seems slightly incredulous, but I mean, fantastic if so. I mean, you know, what a player. He's only 18. He scored, what, 26 in the league last season or 26? I think it's 23 and 26. It's nuts. It's something nuts, start. isn't it? And, and, you know, he looks fantastic. Um, and, I mean, one thing I would say is that Liverpool shouldn't just be put off by the fact that, oh, Madrid are in the conversation or someone else is in the conversation. Liverpool should be in these conversations. I mean, we need Liverpool to be ambitious this summer. That's what we've all been pushing for. And that's why I was so um, taken aback by what happened with Van, Van Dijk, really. I mean, I think everyone thought that this is the, exactly the ambition we needed to see. And when we didn't get him... Or, you know, and it seemed to collapse. Well, you know, that was why we're all so low about that. But I'm going to talk about, about that a bit later. But on Mbappe, I mean, Liverpool's a different offer, isn't it, as well? I, th I think that's another thing to say. You know, if Madrid go in from Sam, but, you know, Madrid have got an absolute squad full of superstars. They just won the Champions League. You know, Li Liverpool, on the other hand, they're in the Champions League. And if he came to Liverpool, if he came to Anfield, you'd suspect he's going to be a starter on a regular basis. He's going to be a superstar for us. He'd be taken to our hearts on day one. He wouldn't just be another, you know, another man in the squad, if you like. So it's a different offer. And also, you know, Klopp's got a good record of developing young players into something special. Um, so, you know... I mean, it's hard to work out if it's bullshit or not. I mean, even with the Dominic thing, King thing, you know, if, if the male the male are, are well known for enjoying lots of clicks on things, and if they see that over the weekend and say, "Listen, Dom, just write something on that and put reports in France indicate X, Y, Z," it doesn't necessarily mean he's added anything on top, really. So, I wouldn't read too much into that. But I'd love it to be true. You know, even if Liverpool go in there and, Klopp, and if Klopp's spoken to the player again regardless of all this tapping up shit, because that bollocks, managers go and speak to players all the time. I'd like to think it was true, because it, again, it shows, it signals some ambition for Liverpool. And if they could somehow get get that over the line, why everyone's funny and round deciding whether they want him or not, well, fantastic. Because imagine, you know, a lot of these things are like a game of poker, aren't they? Like, who moves first? Who's bidding? What are they offering? And all that. You know, if Klopp gets in the ear of, of the player, of his agents, if, if, if they're putting big money down on the table... Well, fantastic. I mean, it's easy to be cynical about it, obviously, and say you've blown a huge hole in your budget if you're going to pay that on a teenager. But equally, imagine it. We'd, we'd all be absolutely <laughs> delighted. Well, yeah, this is the thing, though. I mean, we'll go on to further discuss Liverpool, the odds of Liverpool actually completing a deal of, the, of this size and, and the tribe of competition Gareth's outlined and whether you could see off a Madrid or a City if, if, they, if they were coming at the play with the same appetite. But... Let's just take this on face value. And the Liverpool are interested. They know mm -hmm. the price on the ticket if they're yep. genuinely interested. They know it's, it is around the 100 million. Doesn't really matter whether it's euros or, or pounds sterling at this stage, Mark. We know Liverpool are in the market for a 50-stroke 60 million pound centre-back. 
We know they're in the market for a 35 stroke 40 million pound Egyptian winger. We know they're in the market for a 50 million rated second best midfielder in the Bundesliga called Nabi Keita. Mm -hmm. Just these four lads, before we start talking about squad players, before we start talking about uh, a left back, even God forbid, you're talking about, just uh, without adding those, you're talking about over £200 million spent. Is it feasible that what quiet, or even quietly, what's going on here is Liverpool have uh, have somehow secured a ridiculous budget here and there has been a meeting and the, the game-changing things are going on behind the scenes at Anfield? Or is this wishful thinking? Um, I think it's feasible, definitely. I think that the, the, if we want to think that our owners have learned from their mistakes, then we have to think that they realised that the way they went about it last time we were in the Champions League didn't really cut it. They felt that they spent enough, but a lot of it wasn't in the right places. A lot of it wasn't on the kind of proven quality that was necessary. So in order to make that extra jump, to get the right players in this situation with these amount of people, different clubs are after them, it's going to take that kind of money. So in order for us to have confidence in them that they know what they're doing, they're after the right people, then these are the kind of numbers that are going to be banded around. Paul, I mean, if you are sitting in that board meeting, which they must have had in the last few months, they've got a new guy coming in, they're sitting down, Peter Moore, what, do you, what would you do, Pete? We want to be in this Champions League this time next year. We actually do want a challenge for the league. There's all kinds of money come into the game. We're not skint <clears> anymore. We've probably seen our turnover double effectively in the last two years. What's the price on the ticket for not just being seen off by the likes of City, by the likes of Chelsea and Man U. What is the price on the ticket? That's the first question I'd ask if I was John Henry sitting in front of a, a, a panel. No, absolutely. And the indications are, I suppose, with the competition that we're going to we're going to probably have to spend in excess of two hundred million to stay competitive. Um, a quarter of a billion. Is a the quarter answer, of, a, of a of a billion. <laughs> yeah, I, I I believe City will probably exceed that. I don't think anyone is now taking FFP all that seriously anymore. Um, so for Liverpool, who were sort of, even though on the, on the pitch last season, I felt we were probably the third best side in the league, although Manchester City do fa- finish there. I think for us to now go into um, all competitions, again, from, from a point of having a squad that's probably not ready for it, we need to be spending in and around what everybody else is. And that's, as a minimum, whether we do that on five really good straight into the first team, I say well, I say straight into the first team. That's that that for me is still in my mind is very difficult. You know, for for anyone to come in, whether that's Mbappe or what, to come in and demand a first team from the eleven to get that place in the Liverpool side, you're going to have to spend big because the eleven we had last year took everyone to task. You know, there's not. There's obvi- there's obviously improvements we can make. The left back thing, you go well, yeah, that that there is a weakness there, but I don't think it's that important for for Liverpool to go and add an Mbappe, for example, is is a sort of statement where you go, yeah, you, you're not you're not chasing a solid fourth place finish again. You're looking to build on it, and and why and why stand still? This is a club that has achieved where we've been trying to get to. For for a long time, you know the the thirteen fourteen season. I I think we weren't prepared for Champions League football. I'd say this this side and with this manager's in a much better place. So if you go and spend a quarter of a million pound, considering the the sort of state of flux Arsenal are in, I'd still say the condition Manchester United are in. I'd, I'd say that would really help us push on. Mo. Um... It's difficult to improve on what we've got in the first team, but you look at City, they've gone out and bought this lad from Monaco whose name Silver is called. Another now, you suddenly line him up in their front four. Along The competition is Gabriel Jesus, uh, Aguero, uh, David Silva, Sterling, Sane. This is you. We want to be bringing in, surely, a player that makes Roberto Firmino not a shoo-in, that makes Jordan Henderson or even Wijnaldum not shoo-ins. And to be honest, the squad probably wants that as well because... You always hear players talk about how that competition drives them on. And, I mean, you could add to that City list uh, Alexis Sanchez, who they were also interested yeah. in. I mean, the way... And Mbappe. And Mbappe. So you've got to be looking at it from a perspective where you go into the first game of the season, we don't know what the first eleven is going to be. We hope to know by September, but in August, that we want a lot of 
our options to be open. We want to be able to roll with any particular punches with injuries that may arise. So I think having a good squad of players is really key, especially when we're going to be taking on more games, a lot more games than we were last season and our already dodgy injury record. Well, Gareth, in some ways, it occurs to I me, mean, you, you touched on this just a few minutes ago, it isn't so much about whether Liverpool can raise the dough, the 250 million or whatever it is, because by the time the, the market's so inflated that you can probably get rid of 80 million just, just through dead wood yeah. at the moment. Yeah, I was so, going to say so, that. Sacco, Moreno. Yeah, Markovic well, can go. If we get Mbappe, then surely that means Sturridge. And, and yeah, and as well. so yeah. Sturridge probably. Does. So you can see how you can recoup pretty close to a hundred, hundred ways, or getting more than a third of that money back. So it's not. It's not even so much about what the, the price on the ticket is in terms of affording this bot, this group of lads. It's about seeing off the competition. Now you've hinted that we our proposition is yeah, you'll get a game with us. But we've seen signs, albeit it's been muddy around it, with the Van Dyke situation that the manager has been asked to engage with these lads and yep. in a really quite serious way. I mean, you are the best salesperson at the club. Go to it. Use them, yeah, exactly. And I think it's interesting that, you know, the last press conference that Klopp did pre-game uh, Middlesbrough, um, he made the point that, you know, a lot of the deals that Liverpool will try and get over the line this summer were already a long way down the road. So we And he actually mentioned, I've already had conversations. Mm. And, then he, and then he went on to say, you know, I might be having a bit of a summer off, but I'll probably still be talking to people. And I, they were two really interesting comments from him because, like you say, you know, Klopp is one of the whether people like it or not. And I know some people don't. I know I know a lot of people still, still sort of say, well, Liverpool should be a seller in its own right. But you know, step outside our own bubble for one, for once and, and look at it and say, well, this is Liverpool's first time in the Champions League for for a while. It's only the second time in what eight seasons or something yes. like that. So you know, it need. It, it, let's be honest, it needs the sell. It needs the sell. I mean, the likes of Mbappe, like he's come out with quotes saying, like, I want to win the Champions League. I'm not after individual honours. I want to go to a club that's going places. So therefore, if the Mbappe thing's true or, or isn't, but regardless, when he goes and talks to players, he's got to sell them a vision. <clears throat> he's got to say, listen, we've got over the line now. We're in the Champions League. We expect to win that qualifier. And what we're going to do next is, we're going to buy this player. We're going to buy this player. We're going to spend this much. The squad's going to be this big. Those moments that you saw last season when when injuries cost us, when we look knackered, we're going to have a big squad next season. You're going to be part of it. We're going to be challenging for every single trophy. We're looking to get in the group stage and out the group stage and the other side and consistently qualify for the Champions League. You know, they're the type of messages that you need to be getting across. And I think this season more than any other for a, for a long time. It feels realistic. You know, the manager's not going anywhere. He signed a five, six-year deal, hasn't he? You've got a new training ground on the way. You've got a new stand at the ground. You know, all of that sort of thing all all suggests the club pushing in the right direction. And that, that was, again, to, to harp back to it a little bit. But the, the Van Dyke thing did feel like a sucker punch because... You know, literally we were all looking at it going, well, this feels really positive. It feels like Liverpool are doing something different this summer. And, and like you say, if we take the positive out of it, it is that Klopp had persuaded a top, top player to come to Liverpool and someone somewhere else at Liverpool cocked it up. But So that's unfortunate. But it wasn't down to Klopp. Klopp's, Klopp's persuasive, isn't he? Let's be honest. The reason we all like him is you see him in press conferences. You see him speaking to the press after games and stuff like that. And he's likeable. He's a fella you could imagine getting on board with. And what's interesting as well in terms of the general spirit at Liverpool right now is that there's very few, if any, dissenting voices. Whereas, you know, other managers that we've had, you've, you've sort of known one way or another that little you know players have got beef with him here and there and that sort of thing where it all feels like they're right behind him they think he's boss even players who are playing in the wrong position like Milner he's got his little digs in but you can tell he's happy and so he, so that's another sell you know you go to you go to these players and say you're joining a happy ship here mm. you know we're enjoying our football we're, we're enjoying going toe to toe with every single side that we meet that's a story in itself as well Paul, do you, do you think that Liverpool are beginning to finally do something that they haven't done, I think, for as long as any of us can remember, which is this, which is to get talked about around Europe as as one of, as an emerging club with money to spend? Because I think if you go back to any previous summer, any quotes that would come out of the managers, if you've got money to spend, a Brendan would have said, we've got a budget we're working to and we want players who can play for Liverpool FC and aren't, commit, aren't that, that much about the Champions League. Even Klopp's made these noises last year. Now... 
you, you just, they may or not be may or may not be true, but you're hearing stuff about Liverpool being linked to Kylian Mbappe, to the most expensive defender in the world. Talks of the two hundred million pounds spend are hitting headlines. Do you think the agents and the clubs of Europe are going? Do you know what? There is another. There's a new kid in town this year. Liverpool aren't just down with the not down, but in the middle rankers with Dortmund and Spurs and Atletico Madrid. Maybe they're actually trying to to to, to play with the big boys. Do you think that's the word on the on Soccer Street? I don't, I don't, I don't like the, uh, I don't like the, the new kid in town thing. Um, we're, we're not the new kid in town. We're, we're the, the, the old kid in town. You know, we're there's there's a certain level of. You found the elixir of youth, though. Yes, we've, there's a certain a level of history that needs to be considered here, and where where we are as a football club. That's what makes it easier in your first Champions League season back you know, subject to the qualifier, obviously, but the the sell should be easy. You look at, you, you take back what we did, look at the, show, show them the cop after Borussia Dortmund, show them, show them what we did last season against all the big sides. And yet Liverpool are the new, the new kid on the block because they've got Champions League football again. I, I understand what you're saying, but there is also the fact that we are one of the, the top, top clubs in the world, but we've now got that sort of, appeal to attract a top star again the encouraging thing is is that i've never seen this club be in this position for a long time and actually try and re-establish themselves as the top brass in europe this time round, it feels a little bit different that the ownership are looking at it in a slightly different way and purely i imagine it's it's as well for, it's from a commercial point of view as well if you're if you're winning you're making more money it's 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 quite it's quite simple so that you've got you've got to reinvest you've got to you've got to keep ourselves there this feels very much like a post athens summer for, for me this and that, that that's on the back of two champions league finals but i felt at that time we were starting to reestablish ourselves as every season champions league with liverpool athens as you said we've been in twice in what eight years you look at tottenham they finished above us what seven out of the last eight seasons that but no one I don't think Tottenham are being spoken about as a suitor for Mbappe. I don't I just don't think he would go there. Whereas Liverpool, as I said earlier on, our our history and the size of this club is what puts you back in that conversation. Because you know if Liverpool bang as a as a club again and they are competitive, they can literally be as big as anybody else. Mo, what's 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 the difference between this June, July, and last June, July. Liverpool still have the same set of ambitions in a way. Mm. They they get into the top four solidly, maybe have a dig at the title, but, you know, it's not the end of the world if we don't get that close, and have a go at the domestic cups. I think our ambition last summer was pretty much the same as this summer, albeit now we're actually in the Champions League. But yet last summer, there's the story coming through the, from the manager, and I think most supporters were buying it, was... It's not about spending fortunes, it's about spending cleverly. Mm-hmm. And we ended the summer with, not cheapies, but Marnie and Wijnaldum, we weren't breaking Premier League transfer records, Carriers for, for, for bugger all, um, Matip on a free, Clavin for peanuts. Suddenly now, it requires big money. Same manager, why the change in story? Well, it may not necessarily be a change in story, it may just be that that was the long-term plan all along that first summer was more right. about doing it on a more stable footing. And if you look at it, um, most summers, if you get a 50% hit rate with the incoming transfers, you're doing all right. Yeah. And with uh, Matip, Mane and Wijnaldum, I'd say that's 50%. And when you consider the fact that the high profits we made off of the players that we sold, I think we had a cracking summer. But the fact that we made that step up in terms of where we were in the league between last summer and this summer means that we have to have a step up in ambitions. And as I said before, I think it's not so much about the profile, it's more about the player itself, the profile of the um, the spending. It's more about the profile of the player themselves. And if those players that we need cost more, then we're going to go out and get them. Well, Gareth, let's talk about one of those players we've mentioned earlier in this show and we talked about extensively last week. And there's no doubt about Liverpool's interest in him. Where it actually stands at this point in time is in doubt, I have to add. Virgil van Dijk. It's only a week a week ago today we were we were all cock a hoop that, that Liverpool had agreed a 200 grand a week budget and the player had chosen Liverpool over a host of European luminaries only to have it dashed the day after. Are the, now nearly a week on from, from that infamous statement where Liverpool said they're soz to Southampton and they're ending, ending interest in the player... 
there's been something of a radio silence from the club, mm. which, given how angry I think we all were, how upset we all were as sports of ace, it feels cruel. Maybe only time will tell. What's your take on it as we stand today? I'm still, I mean, we, we recorded a show the other day about it, didn't we, with, with, with sort of our reaction the following morning after after the news had broke the night before. And I was angry then, and, and I'm still angry now. And I just think, as I said earlier, you know, to, to get that far with such a good player and to get our noses in front of Chelsea, City, Arsenal, United, all, all of that, those people that are always around, who are always sniffing around the same players, and to then mess it up is really annoying and I've seen sort of a lot of people making light of it and even some stuff in the echo just sort of saying ah well it's one of them and, and we you know and we crack on I'm not too sure to be honest I think as we, when we discussed it we talked about that it was a strategy to go the way that they did you know because I mean for me if you put it in dead simple terms once you've known that the player wants to definitely come to Liverpool and he's sold on Klopp slapped a bit in there Yes. But, but what Liverpool did is try to play some kind of game and, and they've had the fingers burnt and it could still all go back, of course, because football's mad and football will always be mad. And, you know, perhaps, I mean, it's in what I thought was interesting, a little snippet that I spotted today was um, City have apparently said they're not interested because they will not go above 50 million for, for the player. Whereas Liverpool apparently were already showing willing to pay above that fee. So City are ruling themselves out. Fantastic. Um, because what... I guess what the game is now, if there is indeed still a game, I mean, I, I thought that the, the statement was quite damning and maybe you could have worded it a bit differently, but to say ended all interest and then if you'd go back in for him, it looks a bit weird. But I guess what could happen is that the players, the player looks to be unhappy. He's made it known he's unhappy. He's put his little Instagram post out with his pissed off face sitting on a plane. Hmm. Um, he didn't have to do that. Um, apparently what you were saying as well, and I apologise, you were right to say on the other was show about, about? about messing around with his Twitter as well. Apparently that was, oh, a, was, yeah, that was, was a thing. Yes, yes. That was a thing. So She's mad. That, so these it? little things, he, well, he's, he's getting a little indication out there that he's not happy though, isn't he? So do, do Southampton want an unhappy player starting next season in their squad, in their team, walking into the changing rooms with the, with the whole squad now when he wanted to go to Liverpool? Or do they eventually sort of go, well, look, no one else seems that bothered now. You, you're you're going to have to pay a premium now. That's going to be the thing. Yeah. I mean, the 70 million mentioned, isn't he? And I think that's almost like Liverpool might not get the fine and the ban that they thought they might do. But what they will do is they'll have to pay up an extra 10 or 20 million now if they want that player. That's where that's where I think we are with it. And that's their own fault almost. Yeah. But, but, but perhaps it's a price worth paying because if they do it, again, like I said before about Mbappe, Mbappe might not be realistic sound, but a big player is realistic because we're Liverpool, because we've got the dough, because of where we are. If you go and get him and, and admittedly pay over the odds... We're still going to be happy about that, aren't we? Yeah, Paul, we said this on when we were speculating in the immediate aftermath of the announcement last week, but I think it gets ever clearer. Southampton are never actually concerned about the tapping up because they'll be doing it themselves and everyone does it. Mm -hmm. What they were concerned about is a strategy aimed at preventing an auction. And our, mm -hmm. and, our, and our plan for that to happen has backfired. And as Gareth says, we end up paying a premium for it if this gets resurrected, don't we? Yeah, I, I don't think we've heard... The end of this, I think there's a there's been a point where the the two clubs need to save face a little bit. And I think that's that's happened. Southampton can't be seen to be being picked off and bullied by Liverpool. Fine again, 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 again. again. You know, we've took the best player off them, quite frankly, every summer for the last couple of years. And Ricky Lambert. And Ricky Lambert. Hi, <laughs> 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 uh, <Hello>, Ricky. <laughs> Fan of the show. Yeah, everyone um, probably listening as well. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ricky. The um, where, where was it going? No, I don't. I don't think we've heard the end of it. I think. On the, that though, dead quick. Sorry to interrupt, mate. But you know, we've done that much business with Southampton. How do we end up cocking this up? We've oh, got to imagine the, the relationship got to, strong. Yeah, yeah, you? you must have a strong relationship of doing business with them. Yeah. You know them. It'll be like, all right, mate, yeah, yeah, fancy another one of your players there, mate, yeah. Um, so where do we start and blah, blah, blah. So so someone somewhere let, has made a let, different decision. Let me throw a spanner in the works up. on that one, though. Southampton are about to be bought. Yeah. Um, you take their best asset away from them. Is that going to affect Southampton's value? I, I, I don't know. I don't know whether this is the is it the Lieber family? Is it that their it's own a Chinese thing? consortium? Yeah. For buying in, and yeah. that's kind of scary in a certain. Well, yeah, the, you know, everything the, coming from the east is frightening the, financially at the moment. The 
they don't need maybe they don't need to sell. Maybe they, they've they've also got to go and appoint a new manager by the sounds of things as well. Um yeah. it's not a good sell for either. You know, the new owners they probably want to get that over the line. I know that's been ratified by the Premier League now. Um and they've, it sounds like they need to. I don't. That person still hasn't been made official about Puel's uh, sacking. Sacking, mm. yeah, I don't think. But I think it's it's going to happen. So they don't want to be seen like to be picked off easily by Liverpool. That being said, there is the there is the thing that we've known about for a long time, and it's player power. If he's unhappy, um, he's the he's the team captain or whatever he is at, at Southampton. You you don't want him down in tools. I'm and I'm. You know, it could be completely wrong. He could be the most ultra professional in the world, and he just, he just gets on with it. I, I don't see it, and I think what what Gareth says about Man City is is interesting. I don't think another side in the Premier League that's been pipped by Liverpool, no matter how good he is, with all of what's been written and said, will be going in going. But well, we're we're happy to have you. We're happy to be your second choice. There's, I don't think I think it was only ever between us, Man City and Chelsea, really in forum. I think Chelsea have got an array of centre halves as well. I know they've lost John Terry, but they have got Kurt Zuma, Nathan Ake, as well as the lads who play play every week. So for them to go and spend seventy million, I don't think it's a priority. I think what Liverpool have to do is obviously they have to the dust settle, which is which is happening by the looks of things, and then later on once he's had a holiday or played any international fixtures or whatever obligations he's got this summer is maybe give it six weeks or so and then go and pay the price that Southampton actually wanted to start with yes well Mo as one of my quote from one of my favorite films money talks and bullshit walks <laughs> fans can write in with what film that is um what is the price for Van Dyke now? What, what actually? What is the price? What's too much? At what point? Did you, because there is a possibility, as Paul says, that they're well off enough to go. You are going to have. And they said this. If you are going to have to pay silly money. What silly money? How silly does silly get? Well, I think we're going to have to let go of the idea of us getting any kind of good value for it. I think, as Gareth pointed out, they're going to be upset. And in order to save face, they're going to have to get a good deal out of it. So we're going to have to pay uh, knobhead money, if you like. <laughs> I'm going to push you to, to name them. <laughs> what what film is that from? <laughs> I don't know, but it's got to be in one. But uh, from our perspective, I think from Liverpool's perspective, if we are in for someone like Mbappe and we've, we've come out and said that this is a real interest, we are looking to get him, then the 100 million quote for him... Southampton could feasibly go as high as that. Now, I wouldn't want to spend 100 million on him. I don't think so. I think 70, 75, I think we're still all in getting a decent value for a player who we could have for the next 10 years in mm. reality. That's a big move. You know what's interesting? I, I, I'll put this back here. I think Liverpool were hoping to do a deal of about 45-plus yeah, add-ons. Definitely. That's what they were trying to do, because the player got, I'm only going to Liverpool, folding his arms and pouting. Southampton got wise to that, and now they've made £75 million, the starting point here. Yeah, it's interesting, because whatever it was that Liverpool did to kind of nix this bid in terms of talking to press and what have you, is really kind of given Southampton the complete edge, whereas in previous years, we'd say we had a good relationship with them, you know that you can kind of discredit some of the other bits, especially once the player's chosen Liverpool. But, yeah, we managed to uh, spectacularly shoot ourselves in the foot on that one. I think Southampton have played a blinder. I really do, in terms of his market value. Mm. I think they've played an absolute blinder, to be honest, and I think we're all sort of buying into it. Liverpool have been caught with the, caught with the pants down a little bit, and that's allowed Southampton to play a blinder. There's, there's a pure tactical game going on, and Southampton are going world record fee or nothing and and with no competition that was very hard to achieve with a, as you said a player sulking and whatnot. Mm. so so what was their move then once everyone's backed away well hang on we've got we've got all this evidence here Liverpool of you acting do you want do you want an Atletico Madrid situation on your hands mm. where you can't sign players in your first year back in the Champions League no but also we know this footballer wants to go to you, you we know how much you want him and what your project is for him pay the money yeah, I agree. And the other thing I'd throw into that is the fact that Southampton's fans have been very vocal that they would rather him go anywhere than Liverpool. They'd probably rather send to Portsmouth than to mm -hmm. Liverpool. Yeah, they're pissed stage. off with Liverpool yeah. coming in every year and buying their best player. And 
you know, the, the, all of this should have been factored into the strategy, though. So you, you know that you've been doing this to Southampton over and over. So so tread carefully in that respect. Then you know that you've already fucked up transfer wise and got the academy ban. So tread carefully exactly. in that respect as well. Mm-hmm. So so okay, go and speak to the player. That isn't what's pissed Southampton off. There's almost if you read between the lines and read their press as much as ours, by the way, because that's an an interest them from their angle. It all seems to say. They weren't pissed off that, that Klopp spoke to the player. They were pissed off that it got put out there, that his chosen club was Liverpool. That's where they crossed the line. That's where they got it wrong. And this idea that everyone at FSG was involved in this decision, and it's not, it can't be pinned on, you know, the 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 mysterious Michael Edwards. It's a team thing, it's a you know, it's the owner's thing, it's an FSG thing. Every single person was involved and they don't need an investigation, Andy Kelly said in his piece, because they already know because they were involved in that decision. Well, like you said before, talk to us about it. Talk us through it, please. Mm. Because you've got you you've spectacularly fucked something up and all we've heard from you is a, is a five or six line statement on the website that looked like it was written by Southampton. I want to know what, what's gone on and how you're going to change it. And I, and I don't want an open letter either. I quite like some open communication lines with some of the senior people involved. If like, only wh- the club had why just taken Edwards on. Why does never speak? He's a sporting director. Who? Ed- Edwards? If only yeah. the club could appoint a why fans, li- fans liaison guy who we all trusted. <laughs> yeah. speak, sorry. If only they had that guy. I think, the, for me, the only reason why they could be justified in not saying anything, there's two. One is that they're getting their head down and they're working on transfers yeah. and then they're going to come out and go, ta-da, now everyone can be quiet. Or number two, they're aware of the fact that a lot of this anger has come from people at the club talking to the press. So they're like, right, lads, no one talk to the press, complete silence. Let's just work on what we're doing. And then when we've got something tangible to give them, we'll come back. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Robert. I think the fact that there's been some key mistakes here in order to put some faith back in us to say, all right, get on with it, we trust you, there needs to be an explanation. But also as well, it, it's a long-term thing, isn't it? It's like there's a long-term sort of mistrust around how Liverpool operates in the transfer market. There's a, a list as long as your arm of players that we seem to be in pole position to to sign and then we, it didn't happen. And what seemed to come back was it seemed to be some sort of penny pinching or messing around or trying to get the club down or low ball and or whatever. And so that's back to what I said before with the Van Dijk thing. They just needed to slap the bid in and I, and I feel like none of this would have happened. It, they got things in the wrong order. Do you, know, you know what I mean? So, like, if you'd have slapped the bid in and you've you've therefore opened up everything's game once you've slapped the bid in. So you slap the bid in, then get get it out there that and he's already indicated that he wants to come to us. But you've put a bid in. You've put a bid in and it's a different story then. And the whole tapping up thing wouldn't really work as well when you've actually officially approached them. So, it could, I don't know. It could be a, a, pre- a prerequisite of what Southampton have asked for as well. I think there might be a thing where they've gone and just shut up about it now. You know, there needs to be a period, yeah, a period, a period of calm. So walk. don't even, don't even appease your fans because it's about to appease us. Yes, for sure. Yeah, and there's the legal back off. I mean, this is a saga. I hope it's going to keep going because I'd like us to sign the player. Yeah. We will be discussing it on our well, on our mentions, but in, in microscopic detail and forensic detail on our three times a week gutter show available on Tour Player. I cannot keep plugging it enough. It's a good show. Sometimes we have a laugh, sometimes we get upset. It's, <laughs> all, all life is there. Um, talk about centre-halves. Uh, there is obviously a strong possibility that Liverpool don't get Van Dijk over the line, and there's a player, the player being touted as the, the boy next most likely on Liverpool's list is Stefan de Frey, I think it's pronounced, the Dutch centre-half. And our very own Josh Sexton uh, interviewed... Um, Lazio lands Kale Mullen about the player. He knows a lot about the player, and this is what he had to say to. So I'm joined by Cahul Mullen of uh, Lazio land uh, here to talk about Stefan de Vrij. So we'll just dive straight in. Uh, how good do you believe that Stefan de Vrij is? Uh, I think on his best form, he's he's up there with the very best. Um, he's been hampered this season uh, with a with a knee injury that, that he had last season. That's the sort of, um, I think it's not been his best season, basically because he he was recovering from that last season. But I think at full fitness, um, he's up there with the very best for sure. Uh, but I just don't think he's he's really shown that this season. And what do you believe are his best attributes as a defender? 
Well, I think what you get with De Vrij is a very dependable and reliable defender. He uh, he'll rarely lose his marker. You know, he can you can always trust he'll be he'll be in the right position. Um, you're not going to see anything silly from him. Uh, he's not the kind of player that's going to uh, you know it's going to get sent off if if things aren't going his way. You can you can trust that he's that he's going to uh, to always give a certain level of performance. Um, the other thing I would say about him is, and I think this is important for the sort of modern centre back, is that he's quite comfortable in possession. So, you know, uh, I think that's the the Dutch in him there. He can he can definitely put the ball up the field uh, with ease, and I think uh, really kind of construct from the back a bit if he's asked to do so. So I think what you really get with Devry is someone who who's just solid and and can be depended on. And, you know, ask him to do anything. I think. I think he'll be able to to turn on a certain level. And what do you believe have been his best moments in a Lazio shirt? Well, I think his first season was exceptional. He was a bit of a cult hero coming to Lazio to begin with because he had such a good uh, 2014 World Cup. And I think, you know, he carried that momentum into his first season at Lazio. And uh, we made a really good push for the Champions League. We lost in the Champions League playoff to Leverkusen. But that whole season... Um, was excellent. Uh, we made it to the cup final, losing to Juventus. Um, and really, you know, I, I couldn't pick out a particular game that season. He was just very, very, very good. Uh, and, and, you know, I think at, at that point, uh, Lazio fans were really beginning to think this could be one of the world's best defenders uh, in years to come. And, uh, what, and do you think, you know, the reports at the moment are suggesting that Liverpool have made this €20 million Euro offer and that it's been sort of rejected out of hand by Lazio. Do you think the club will be prepared to sell De Vrij this summer? I think it really depends on the wishes of the player. Lazio have a very uh, clear policy with regard to, to players um, that they sell. Basically, if the player wants to move on, and really wants to move on, they'll, they'll tolerate it and they'll listen to offers. But at the same time, as a club, they're notoriously difficult to negotiate with. So it'll be for a price that they deem acceptable. Now, with regard to De Vrij, he's only one year remaining on his contract. So I don't think the club can really ask for an astronomical fee. Also, I don't think he's been at his best this season. I, I think the knee injury he suffered uh, last season is something clubs will be concerned about. So there's talk uh, uh, in Italy that maybe 30 million would get it done. And I, I would say for that price, if, if De Vrij really wants to move to Liverpool, I, I think more than likely it would be done. And how do you imagine that the Lazio fans would react to his departure? I think at the moment, uh, I think Lazio fans would be disappointed. But I do think of late his performances have been a, a little... Lackluster, uh, not not really anything that that would that would worry me if I was if I was Liverpool looking at buying him. But I think sort of the, the sheen that was on De Vrij, uh, you know, for his first couple of seasons at the club is, is sort of not there anymore. I think I think fans would be very disappointed, but I think they'd ultimately be okay with it as long as a a decent replacement is brought in. But make no mistake about it, he is our best centre back, uh, even our best defensive player overall. So. You know, if if Liverpool were to sign him tomorrow, I think fans would definitely be be hurt by it. And uh, do you believe that he'd be able to adapt to the Premier League? That would be interesting. Uh, I think, you know, if you're looking for weaknesses in his game, I think, you know, his own admission by his own admission too, one of his weaknesses would be his movement. Uh, so when he's up against particularly pacey forwards, you sometimes find that they can get the better of him in games overall. And I also think for someone as tall as him, he could be a bit more commanding. And I think those are kind of characteristics that you might like to see in a Premier League centre-back. So I'd be intrigued to see if he really looked the same in the Premier League. On on paper, I think he's got more than enough about him to, to cut it there. I think he's he's so intelligent as a defender that... I can't really see him feeling to adapt to any league, to be quite frank. But I do wonder if the Premier League is the league for him or if maybe La Liga or, or the Bundesliga would be more somewhere that he would he would settle in more easily. But he certainly had no problems adapting to Italian football. And, you know, I think his Italians are widely regarded as being uh, the most uh, proficient 
defenders. So uh, I, I would expect him to adapt okay. Interesting stuff from Cahill and thanks to Josh. Uh, Gareth, I picked up on what I picked up took most from that, I suppose, and I'm not sure it concerns me or it doesn't, is that DeFry, is he talked, uh, Kale talked about his Premier League readiness and said one of his weaknesses may be that he could be bullied in the air a little bit. First instinct is, Jesus Christ, haven't we seen enough of that at Anfield? Mm. But then again, you often think about it, goes, maybe, I'm not sure that is the biggest issue. Is the, is the biggest issue that perhaps, and Klopp refers to this a lot, the way we defend the second ball. What are we looking for in our dream new centre-back? So you want someone who can come in straight as much as possible and is I hate the phrase myself but Premier League ready and and that's why that's why we, we went for Van Dijk initially isn't it and that's why that made so much sense a lad here who's playing in Italy and you've got you've got Cahill there sort of saying he's not had his best season just gone either that concerns me um, another concern for me as well is I, I looked him up before the show and he's he's had quite a few injuries, including a very serious knee injury that kept him out for pretty much a year. Yes. He's then had a metatarsal, he's had a thigh problem. It, it, he's not ticking boxes there for me in terms of, you know, in terms of buying players that aren't going to spend some time on the treatment table. Also, he said, didn't he, there, that he, he thought maybe, you know, he'd do all right in the Premier League, but maybe a move to the Bundesliga or somewhere else might suit him a little bit better. So that do, that does worry me because... The English game is different. It's not what it was once. You know, you can't boom people from behind and throw them into the stand and all that sort of thing. Well, except when you play Waff with the teams. But um, it is it is more physical. You do get away with more in England than you do in some of the other leagues. There's no doubt about that. So you want someone who, who can cope with that, I think. And I think, I think even Matt have had a little stage where he's sort of getting used to that. And then very soon after, he, you know... He, He's got the body to be able to cope with it. He's sound. Well, he so, takes an injury, though, Matt. It doesn't he does, yeah. Him. yeah, and I guess that's why they're so keen to get someone in, because it's clear the manager doesn't fancy Sacco, and that's done and dusted, and it's just a case of where he ends up. So it's getting someone in, really, that can come in and cope. And if you're talking ideals, well, you, you want them to be fast, strong, good in the air, good on the ball, be able to pick a pass. Um, but I guess you're paying seventy million for that kind yeah. of thing. <laughs> Mo, Mo, you you know about every single footballer in Europe. Um, <laughs> Maybe so not every single one. So, uh, can I come to you on Defry? Has he come across? In all seriousness, has he come across your? your... No, I have. I have. Um, I've caught him a couple of times, uh, and the times when my stream for BT actually works quite well. Uh, he looks like a good guy. I mean, one of the things that I took from what uh, Kale Mullen said was he used the word consistent. And essentially, that's really the biggest thing, regardless of attributes. That's what we really need in the centre-half. Someone we can rely on, not only to be there, but to be performing at a good level. And that's what the component is missing. That's one thing that Van Dijk does have. I have to say, though, the injury stuff does worry me. Because, with Defray. Yeah, with Defray, because a lot of the problems in our defence have been from not being able to get a stable partnership together. Look mm-hmm. about how many times Clavin had to come in last season, how many times Lucas had to come in last season. We need, if we're going to improve as a defensive unit, that's where the nucleus needs to begin. We need to be signing two guys and going, right, or signing players and going, look, this is going to be our first choice defence and build from there. I'm not 100% sure that he has it in him. Regarding the kind of physicality stuff, it's interesting because one of the things I think is the problem with Lovren is that he tries to be Superman all the time. He mm. tries to dive through and a lot of time drags himself out of position if he doesn't get it. And like you say, the second ball will therefore be tapped into the net. If we have someone who knows that he's not going to go up against the Dinis and the Rondons of this world and he's going to be there to anticipate, if he's quick on anticipation, then the two of them can over time work it out. And so Lovren uh, or Matip, whoever's going to play with him, they'll be able to go and do that physical stuff and he'll mop up behind. Most of the great centre-back partnerships have had that in them anyway. Paul, I, I, I agree with Mo. I often wonder whether we have, we've never really replaced a honcho or a carragher. A lad who's not necessarily the biggest in the air, but reacts to the second ball, anticipates and throws himself on the proverbial grenade. Yeah, yeah. And... My, my my thing from what Mo was saying there is about the sort of consistent 
thing. I, I, I appreciate that it might be a consistently good performer, but I, we, I think Mo's absolutely right. We need someone we can get consistently on the pitch. And that, you know, the thing is, with the likes of Carragher, you got them out unless someone, some yard dog broke his leg. Um, you, you, you got them on the pitch every week, and it took a, a lot not to where this season, the amount of times you heard nothing all week and, you know, Rob, me and you monitor these things like like anything and you didn't hear of anything wrong with Lovren or you didn't hear of anything wrong with Matip and all of a sudden they're not available coming into a key fixture. I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered with that. I don't want, I want someone, you know, that can come in and, and command a position and create a partnership with whoever the, the, the one of them two may be, Lovren and Matip. I think we need a thing now where coming into a, a 60 game season where you can where you know that you know, 99 times out of 100 unless someone like Lucas Neal breaks your leg um, that you're going to be able to get these on on the pitch let's move on uh Liverpool Klopp has not been uh, shy in, in saying for some time now, even since before Christmas, that he wanted a winger, another winger. We've, had, we've got Mane, Coutinho and Firmino can play wide, Lallana can play wide, but they're all required to, uh, into various other duties. He's wanted a winger. We were linked for months to Julian Brandt of Leverkusen, who is young and wants to stay and cement his, his place in the German team. And for the last month, uh, the clear target, Gareth, has become uh, Mohamed Salah. It's a deal that seems to be gaining nice momentum, and then suddenly it stalled, a similar time to the Van Dijk deal stalling, really. There were some rumours last week of United even entering the fray, and that just sounds like Mourinho taking the piss, uh, just because just he can. Uh, there was word that the, 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 the money between Liverpool and Rome, the prices being sought, were very, very different. There is some word today that's from Italy, and you never, you never can be sure that maybe 35-plus add-ons will do this. Do you, do you see this as one getting over the line? I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really hope so. We all I mean, hope so. I think um, I think you're right to say that it did did seem to have loads of momentum, and you kind of felt like, well, this is going to get done any day. And um, you know, the story was that he'd agreed personal terms that 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 bit of the the deal was done. You've seen his agents as well, seemingly getting a little bit frustrated, mm. but then he put a bit mm. of a cryptic message out over the weekend, which was sometimes better to get things done quickly. Was along the lines. Good things like, come to those who do things quickly. Yeah, I think he that, said. that yeah. was it. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's clear what he sort of what, what the intention of that message is as well. So. You know, he wants to get the deal done. Um, the player wants to get the deal done. We want to get the deal done. You presume Klopp does. It seems to fall at the same, you know, at the same hurdle as usual. Really, back to what we were saying before, that it seems to be a boardroom level thing, uh, a Michael Edwards level thing. It's it's the money. It's it's the fee with the club again, and you know, supposedly twenty eight million around about there there has been rejected. Um, they were asking sort of forty two ish. Now you, I've seen the same reports as you that there's there's talk thirty five ish could do it, and I think there's some questionably sourced stuff today that's saying it's very close and that you know that agreement could be done. I hope so. I I just think you know back to what we were saying before about how down everyone's become because of Van Dyke. I'd just like to get us a deal over the line. I, I think I think we need it just to, so we all feel good again. So we feel like Liverpool can sign players, and it does feel like one you know Klopp's Klopp, Klopp <coughs> wants. We've gone early. Another thing worth saying is that Klopp's made it clear both this close season and the last one that he wants deals done quickly because he wants to work with those players over the summer. Yeah. You know, we've seen, you know, that he took them on the training camp last summer and had them all puking up and all the rest of it and put, you know, five training sessions a day or whatever madness it was. But it meant that, you know, we came out the traps and, and so he mm -hmm. wants everyone bought into that, especially a lad who you think's, you know, likely to be in and around the first 11. So, again, you know, the fingers are pointing in the same direction. Again, make it happen, boys, because, you know, it seems the club are fairly willing to sell. The player wants to come. Liverpool want him. It's just a fee that needs to be agreed. And, you know, what we've got to watch for is another club watching it from somewhere and going, actually, yeah, now we've locked him up. He, he could do a job for us. Bang, there's the money. And then Liverpool are blowing out the water again. Although, yeah, Mourinho, I think he's taking the piss there. Yeah, I think, I think Liverpool have found themselves in a difficult summer really I think historically well especially the last couple of years Italian clubs have been really easy to deal with because they basically got no money and I think coming at Roma have qualified for the Champions League this summer and you've now got the predicament that the two Milan clubs are both Chinese backed and for them to sort of keep hold of that position and not uh, not fade away as it may be is that they, they need to demand 
top top coin because the gate receipts are absolutely zero in Italy still at the moment, and especially for Roma. So I wonder whether I think thirty five mil will get it done. I don't think that would all be up front, but you know you're looking at. Roma talking about using that money to replace him with Suso. You know that's uh, that that that's an indication of the fact that they need they do need the money and they they will be willing to do a deal. But Liverpool just need to get get this done because, as Gareth said, there's a lad there who's basically scored one and two in Italy for the last two years from a wide position, and they're uh, they're quite sought after, especially when everyone has got is loaded with a bit of money and mightn't even see thirty five million pound being a risk. Is he a prize for you, Mohamed Salah? Very much so. Um, I mean, Roma have been on BT a lot more than Lazio, so I've seen a bit more of him. And uh, I think he's definitely one who go on the list of players that Mourinho misused badly mm. when he was at Chelsea. I hope that if we do sell him, we don't see a lot of stories in the paper about it's a long form, list. former Chelsea flop Mohamed Salah. We've already seen that, haven't we? And it's really frustrating because, you know, if you bother to go beyond that initial headline, mm-hmm. like you say, Mourinho's actually spoke well about him and, and sort of, if you read between the lines, it's just, he had loads of good players. Yeah, it's the same with Kevin Did De Bruyne. Not wrong, yeah. yeah. Exactly the same with Kevin De Bruyne. I think he can be uh, as revolutionary for our side as Mane was, if for no other reason than, than now there's two of them. Yeah, that's, that's interesting that. I mean, <clears throat> he is... He's clearly a priority, but if we're looking at uh, the backups that Liverpool have been, again, somehow allowing to get into the press, so whether it's just negotiating, whether these are genuine targets, it's hard to know. But they're all lads blessed with pace. The likes of Douglas Costa, who seems to be surplus at Bayern, which surprises me because yeah. he looked brilliant a year ago. Balder Keita uh, at Lazio. I think he's going to Milan now. Yeah, strongly linked to Liverpool. And... And more substantively than any as a backer has been Gelson Martins uh, of Sporting Lisbon, uh, 22, so younger than Mo Salah. Uh, Josh Sexton spoke to Richard Cole from a Sporting Lisbon blog called Lions about Gelson Martins, and this is what the boys were saying. So we're joined now by Richard Cole to talk about Sporting Lisbon's Gelson Martins. Uh, Richard, how, how good do you believe Gelson Martins can be? Uh, he's He's got the potential... Um... I wouldn't say he'll be Cristiano Ronaldo good, but he will be probably better than Nani good. Like Nani when he was at his very best good. Right, and what do you think his best attributes are as a player? His uh, dribbling skills are amazing. Once once a game usually gets an outlandish uh, piece of skill to go past the player. His creativity as well. He had 10 assists, which are the top in the Premier League last season. And he's a really hard worker as well. He's he's all over the pitch. And what have been his best moments in a Sporting Lisbon shirt? Um, he, when George Jesus took over a couple of years ago, he was the first player he sort of brought from the academy. He had the reputation of not trusting youth, but he immediately picked out Jelson Martins, put him straight into the first team. And since then, it's it's mostly been his assist and a few really really beautiful goals he scored. Uh, he's, he's a real crowd piece with his, his sort of uh, play style. And the reported fee for Gelson is around forty million, with uh, Liverpool obviously declaring their interest. Do you think that Sporting Lisbon will be prepared to sell the player? It depends. Um, this is George Jesus' last year in his contract, and his his entire goal is to win the league. He's not done it the first two, and, and I don't think he wants to sell him this year. But. If the money is right, I think forty million is probably about right. I don't think the release clause will be activated. Um, there are replacements for him in the starting team, um, but I think it also depends on who else goes this year. William Cavallo and Adrian Silva, two of the best players, have rumoured to go as well. So I'd, he won't want to lose too many players. It does depend on who else goes as well. And how do you believe the fans would react to his departure if he were to move to Liverpool or, or elsewhere? And not fact. Uh, I think they'll be resigned to it. It's usually one great academy player leaves a season. It was Jan Mario last year, who was excellent. And I think there'll be at least one this year. Um, but I think the, the general feeling is at least one more year in Portugal for him. Really sort of kind of helping fulfill his potential before moving on. Because he's still only just turned uh, 22 last month. So he's, he's got uh, left to go. 
And you mentioned, but just before, in the attributes is his, his pace and his skill, which will obviously aid him if he does move to the Premier League. Uh, do, you, do you think he'd be able to adapt to the sort of more physical aspects of the game, though? I'm not sure. Um, he He's not the tallest. He's not the strongest. Um, his dribbling does tend to allow him to get around that, but I don't know. I think it would be tricky for him. He would need some sort of um, time to adjust uh, but I think it'll be down to him whether he could do it or not. And uh, just just the last one then, uh, what's his uh, scoring record been like in Lisbon? Because obviously one of the important things uh, for a Liverpool player in particular with the with the sort of forward line that they've got is that you have uh, you have an end product and a goal return. What's his been like during his time at Sporting in this in the senior team? It's been it's been okay. It's not great. He's scored usually about seven. I think for the last two seasons um, he could score more. I think that's really what's holding him back from becoming. Like a great player, he's, he's a very good player. But it's his uh, his finishing. He's, he is more of an assist player. He's more of a creator, really, than a scorer. Okay, perfect. Thanks for that, Richard. That's a uh, Richard Cole there on Gelson Martins. Interesting stuff again, uh, Gareth. Do you think there's much in there's much publicised pursuit of Gelson Martins, uh, or is it just a negotiating ploy? Yeah, I, I I think probably the latter on this. I think it's you know going off the old indicators of who's reported it and when and why and that sort of thing. I'm not really seeing someone credible, you know, highlighting it as someone Liverpool really wanted, sort of just being a, and maybe they might go for this fella. It, it seems a bit, you know, maybe want to throw in the mix on the sly so that Roma might go, actually, we just get this deal done, actually, you know, quite fancy that money off Liverpool there mm-hmm. before they go looking elsewhere. It's one of them. I mean, we all know that the whole thing is a game, isn't it? And, and, and you do get these tactics and, you know, agents do agents and clubs do leak things in into the press, especially at this time of the year. So everything should be taken to an extent with a vat of salt. Um, and I think I think this is one of those really. I, I just think it's a, it doesn't really seem to add up that much. You know, he's a bit young, as you said earlier, and you kind of feel like th- this this particular slot in the squad is going to someone that Klopp feels can be called upon straight away. There's, there's no sort of bedding in period or anything like that. And when I look at the stats of this fella and his age and that sort of thing, I sort of think he feels like more of a project, like you, like he'd, he'd play in the League Cup or something and you'd build him up. You, it's, he's not someone you go, bang, first day of the season, he's in the side. You know, it doesn't really feel like that. So I, I'm inclined to think it's probably bollocks. The only thing, Mo, that makes me think, well, not, it doesn't make me think, that the sort of pitches Gelson Martins as being Mo Salah's level is is the fee. He's apparently got a 40 million release clause and, and sporting saying they wouldn't release him for less than that. Have you seen anything of him that makes you think he's, or know anything about him that makes you think he's anywhere near Salah's level? He's not near Salah's level for me, I have to say. I, again, I've not seen a lot of him, but it does seem like Sporting Lisbon have put that high price just to say, no one go for him. We want to develop this boy. I don't think they're going to be looking to sell. Sporting Lisbon strike me very much in the same way as Munch and Grabback were with the Who. They sell one player a year. That's their model. They can afford to sell one big player a year and use him to fund the rest of the squad. And I think this year that guy will be willing to evaluate. Mm-hmm. So I just think that this is a little bit of posturing. Um, if we were seriously looking for alternatives to Mo Salah, it's got to be Douglas Costa. I'm like you. I'm amazed that Bayern Munich haven't tied him down to a long deal. I think he has got everything that you need to be a successful wide forward and he would uh, translate it to the Premier League very well. He's one of the most explosive players I've ever seen, Douglas Costa. The only thing I'd say on him, he probably doesn't score enough. That that mm. that's, that seems to be, you know, you look at the uh, these real top sides, Bayern, Real Madrid, them, them sort of sides in Europe, their wide players are chipping in with 12, 15 goals a season. And I was looking at Douglas Costa's numbers and he's about six. Yeah, It's like Higuain at Real Madrid. I think he scored like one in one in two, which a lot of people would go as a, a good mark of a striker, but actually they were looking for one in 1.5 or better. So it, it is purely a numbers game at them, a real, real big clubs. And I just wonder what if that's the reason. And uh, Mo, you'll know better than me whether the lads that they have from Juventus... Has been, uh, I can't remember his name. He's a wide player. Oh, King, oh. Kingsley Coleman. Kingsley yeah. Coleman. Whether he he might be a factor in the fact that the uh, that they may let him go. I think Kingsley Coleman is probably in, he's probably got as much chance of getting in the team as Costa at the moment in terms of where Ancelotti ranks them. 
For me, regarding Costa's goal record, I think a lot of that comes down to the system and the fact they've got such a magnet as Lewandowski up front that when he's out wide, his first instinct is to look for him. And in terms of crossing ability and consistency, he's far above anything that we've got in our squad right now. That's interesting, though. Yeah, I mean, I'd fancy Douglas Costa. Let's talk about Liverpool's general uh, need to supplement their attacking resources, is Gareth. We've seen the uh, last season we had a fantastic front three. The backup two were either injured in, in Sturridge's case or, or out of sorts and looking too raw still in Origi's case. Uh, Sturridge has a very strong chance he's not in the squad come the beginning of the season for a variety of reasons. Liverpool have will have you know forty percent more games next season. They clearly need more game changing attacking players. We know about Salah. What do you expect in terms of... the Solanke is a project for the future, so we mm. won't count him, really. What are you expecting in terms of numbers in the attacking positions here? I mean, is it possible we're after Salah and Douglas Costa? There's, we can talk about Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, or they can play a range of positions. We talked about Mbappe. How do you see the numbers element of this panning out? It's difficult to say. I mean, I, I think... I think Klopp said before, um, if we go off what he said in press conferences, he, there was one he did last season where he talked about the difficulties of managing lots of stars, if you like. And, and he said people are always bringing up, you know, you should have bought players here and in this window and in this position and that sort of thing. And he said, but you know, that, that obviously creates its own problem in that you've then got to manage them and say, you know, well, I know you're doing well, mate, but actually, you know, He's there, so you can't get in the side, and and you're going to get a game here and there. But like you say, there's a lot more games next season, so, it, so that sort of feels like you know bearing in mind that we get through this qualifier. Fingers crossed. Still the UEFA Cup, though. Yeah, but, but yeah, so there's games, whatever. Yeah, that's true. So it, it feels like an easier sell to someone coming in, even if there is a bit of a, a bedding in period. Because he, I mean, any any player you buy, when you're talking about them being ready made and Premier League ready and all this sort of thing. There's just the, there's the basic the basics of human life that they've got to come to another city, find a house, settle in, get the family sorted, get someone in a get kids in a school, all that sort of stuff. And I think that goes a little bit amiss sometimes in sitting in wondering why players might not settle and stuff like that. So there's all that to consider in terms of actual numbers. Then, I mean, a lad with pace is absolutely essential, isn't it? That that that's got to be the the number one priority because we saw when. Mane was away that Liverpool are all of a sudden looking a different proposition perhaps easier to defend against side's got a bit of confidence about that fact so if you're managing to squeeze two or three in the side ideally you had that type of pace then all of a sudden you know Liverpool are like this you know like the red arrows and you've got people streaming left right and through the middle so I, I, I suspect that's maybe what Klopp's got in mind given the way we play and the way we the way we harry high up and win the ball high up and then look to release it quick I think he'll want as many lads with pace as he can. So maybe, I mean, it depends, doesn't it? I mean, if the, if there's anything in the Mbappe thing, then you're not going to be buying loads of players either if you're spunking 100 million on him. But he's another forward to but add to the he's, list. He's a forward, but, all, but what I mean is, though, that if that's, a, if that's a, a genuine thing that Liverpool are looking at him, then there must be a plan A and a plan B, because plan A is get him and maybe two others, but plan B is maybe get five or six or whatever. Mm. So there's, there's got to be... I mean, two hundred million's been mentioned for a long time, hasn't it? I know. I know. I remember Tony Barrett sort of playing that down, but at the same time, other reporters seem to say it was realistic that Liverpool could spend two hundred million. So that's what it's got to be based on, really. You know, they want a defender. You know, they want a midfielder, and then what? Two two attackers, maybe. You well, into four players for for two hundred million. So f- I reckon four or five players in total. Yeah, is the Mo is the balancing player then potentially Oxlade Chamberlain? It's one that it's a very interesting story. This this mm-hmm. this whole saga because in January Liverpool were linked and Klopp was as categorical as he's ever been about saying there was no interest from Liverpool in the player whatsoever. Uh, as the season drew to a close, all the all the credible uh, journalists on the patch were saying no, he's a, he's definitely a player Liverpool want. Don't want to play over the pay over the odds. Uh, Talked last week about Arsenal offering him 100 grand a week plus to, to get him to re-sign. Then links, then talk about that Arsenal would want 40 million off Liverpool. He's not going away, is he? he but he does seem to solve a few problems, notwithstanding the injury record. I think Klopp's proven with uh, the way he loves uh, Milner and Lucas that he likes a guy who he can rely on to do more than one job. Mm. And I think that's his main appeal for me. 
<clears throat> and that in his age. I think, personally, I think all he needs is for Arsene Wenger to say, I, I trust you, I count on you, I'm going to give you more games, and he's going to stay. I don't think he's realistically looking or agitating to leave Arsenal. I think he likes it there. From our perspective, I think he's a guy who could do a good job for us. I don't want. I wouldn't want to go into the 35-40 numbers that have apparently been mooted. I think that we could get that a, a much better player for a little bit better than that. I also think we've got to look at the overall makeup of the squad, not just in terms of the positions, but in terms of the mentality. If we're going to be losing players like Lucas, if we're going to be losing players like Sturridge, we need someone there who's going to have Champions League experience, who's going to have be able to be in the dressing room and tell the guys exactly how it's going to go down and help them out when in times of trouble. Personally, I think... Someone else who's been mooted as being potentially on the move, who I think would be perfect for us, uh, Blaise Matuidi. I would absolutely love Oh, is he available? Well, there's been noises saying that Manchester United have been interested in him and he's not 100% sure he's staying in Paris. I think, again, that depends upon the kind of players they're looking to bring in. But I, he would be my more alternative if we're not going to be going for uh, the, uh, other players. But personally, in terms of the original numbers uh, factor, I think... Two players who can play in the front three are necessary. When you consider the uh, nature of those positions and the kind of uh, exertions you put on a player, you're more likely to get injuries because the, the physiology of the players who are in those positions, if you look back at Michael Owen and those kind of players, fast players do kind of get a lot of muscle injuries. So it does make sense to stack them. The only issue with that, and the issue every team's going to have this similar, is this a World Cup year? So stacking your squad with players is going to be a lot harder because everyone wants to play, because everyone wants to be in the shop window to go to the World Cup. So <clears throat> as much as we have been reluctant to do deals in January, I think this might be a year where we have to look at it for certain players. There might be a lot of good players who aren't getting games who we can augment our squad with if need be. Yeah, I think Mo's absolutely right. It was something I was going to touch on is, is the World Cup year thing. I think... Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Isco, James Rodriguez, Matuidi, as you're saying, um, there's a lot of these footballers sort of on the peripheries of, of big squads which may come available in late August or they may come available in January who need to be playing football. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the sort of market that the likes of Everton are going to be shopping in where lads come available last minute that you don't didn't quite expect to come available in June or July, but you know they've seen how the start of the season's gone and they're not even getting substitute appearances. They may come available on Oxley Chamberlain. I think um, I, I like him. I, I, I've I've always really liked him as a player, and I've, I've said on a number of shows there was a lot of times last year where in this side, if you had Oxley Chamberlain off the bench or in the eleven, I think we'd have looked a lot better. I think he can sort of solve a multitude of problems. I think his his versatility is something that would would cover Liverpool in in a few scenarios in a big season. Um that being said, I think there's a price and and it can't really exceed thirty odd million, especially what is he last year of his contract Mo? Yeah. You know, what what's the point? You're only you're only going to be putting it into uh, into Arsenal's bank. So yeah. <laughs> and that's it. That's been the Anfield Rap Show this week, in, uh, doubling up as a sampler of our behind the tour player paywall, uh, the Gutter Show. That's going to be running three times a week, did I say? Three times a week throughout the summer, hosted mainly by me, often by Paul Senior, with a, a wide array of guests, and I think it could be one of the most eventful transfer windows in Liverpool's history. I hope you've enjoyed it. Sports Social Podcast Network.